Cyrano de Bergerac in Space is a five-part all-audio radio play. While there is some language used, it is intended for all audiences. This episode of Cyrano de Bergerac in Space is sponsored by The Icon Group, Studio Dubois Incorporated, Jonathan Safford, Jonathan Safford, Voice of Christian, available for voice acting work, commercials, audiobooks, narration, and more. Contact him at readyman45 at gmail.com. And Joseph Vigent. If you or your business would like to learn more about becoming a Cyrano sponsor, please go to our website at swampmeadow.org. Thank you. Story 5 awaiting orders. Exiting the wormhole in one knot, Commander Klond. <sighs> Do you really think that it's the Pantheon, Captain Copy? Between you and me, Cadet Righolt, methinks we stumbled on a facade. A facade, sir? I saw their downfall with my own eyes. The final Pantheon ship in a blaze to the planet of Ugali below. Commander De Guiche made sure the Pantheon were crushed. Then what attacked Huguenau and his people? My guess? A behemoth whale, perhaps. Ha! Old Huguenot doesn't have the army to take on a creature of that size. Exiting wormhole now, sir. Oh. Dear Lord. All these ships, they're destroyed. This is no whale, Captain. <gasps> Look, Stanward, Panion! Attack formation. Commander, something seems off. They... Aren't firing back. Sir, on further surveillance, there's a thick purple ooze emanating from all the downed ships. It seems to be sprouting for the penny on Star Cruiser. It's surging, electrically charged. Ah. Sir, my power! My ship is dead! Does anyone have any power? Sir, the electric ooze, it's moving toward us! Starship to rock! Do not follow! I repeat! Commander down! Paddy! Serano de Bergerac in space! We return to the starship Duroc, safely drifting a system away from the Tarakium Rim. Admiral King, along with those on the command deck, anxiously await news of Commander Klan's scouting mission. The tense atmosphere of the command deck contrasts sharply with the light-hearted ambiance of the cabin, the Duroc's expansive multi-level residential district. Evening was fast approaching. The dwelling unit had a few passengers strolling the promenade with friends and company, eager to enjoy a pleasant evening. Heading homeward, they employ mechanical elevators to transport themselves between each platform. 
Ragano and Duena are chatting in Roxanne's cozily decorated fourth-floor apartment. Tall bookcases boasting an assortment of rare tomes from exotic cultures adorn the walls of her loft-style chamber. Roxanne's late father had left her a considerable number of credits to assure her comfort when he passed. And the wealthy Commander de Guiche also made sure that the orphan Roxanne was accommodated in the most opulent of living quarters. Yet the true highlight of the apartment was its Oregorian ore balcony. These marvelous inventions were regal balconies that overlooked the celestial plane and allowed the user to create protective bubbles around themselves. The passengers were then able to float a few feet away from the ship while still attached to it by an invisible tether. Roxanne has encased herself in one such orb and is floating serenely into the starlight. Encased in the orb, Roxanne is euphorically reading letters to herself as her friends lounge in her comfortably furnished living room. And then off he went with that... that scrubber deserted me and ruined my pastry shop. I would make an end of all, fling myself into the incinerator, my final verse. Then in comes Cyrano. He saves me and begs me to go to the service of Miss Roxanne. Well... But how came it about that you were thus ruined? Oh, Lester loved another, and I loved the poets. He decided that my sweets got in the way of his work. Clean shop and all. What cakes there were that Apollo chastely were quickly snapped up by Mars. I fled thusly and ruined I was. Roxanne, are you ready? They wait for me! Roxanne! Uh, come back inside. We are going to be late. I apologize. One finds true peace in these Oregorian orbs. Wonderful things to read in. Oh, but we're late. Uh, let me put on something more proper. I told you this union is very important to me. Tis not every day I get to officiate a wedding of two officers. I support you. Now support me. I come, I come. <sighs> Roxanne, if you come not down quickly, I shall miss my appointment. What hard music? What is that record? What's that? Music from the floor below? Who serenades us? Wrong again. I tell you that the musical notes are demi-semi-quavers, no demi-semi-fool. You know then, sir? to distinguish between semi-quaver notes and demi-semi-quaver notes? Of course, in proof of which I will play the lute myself. La 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 la. What? Tis you, dear Cyrano? Tis I who come to serenade your lilies and play my credits to your roses. <laughs> I am coming down. We will meet you on the third floor. <sighs> By the Admiral, this girl. I'll be late! As Roxanne hurries back to her quarters to quickly change, the Irk Duena storms off in a huff towards the Duroc's banquet hall. Ragano, seeing Cyrano, enters the docking elevator, pulls a lever, and commands the contraption to descend to the level below. Steam emits from each side as she slowly is lowered towards Cyrano. My word, that thing! Nautilistic! Steam! Hello, Cyrano! Why have you these two bots here? Tis for a wager I won from the theater owner, Belrose. We were disputing a nice point in grammar. Contradictions raged hotly. Dizor, nay, dizor, when suddenly he shows me these two minstrel bots, whom he talks about with him as an escort, and who are skillful in scratching loot strings with their copper claws. I will read you a day's music, says he, and lost it. 
Thus you see, till the Drax clocks twang the last minute of the day, these loot twangers are at my heels, seeing all I do, hearing all I say, and accompanying all with melody. Twas pleasant at first, but... Ill quoth, I began to weary of it already. How oh, there, drum and loot bots, go serenade Montfleury for me. Play dance to them. <laughs> yeah, mm. Play a long tune. Play out of tune. With a clang and a whoosh, the service elevator lowers to reveal Roxanne, who is finally dressed in a beautiful periwinkle gown. She exits and twirls to meet her friends. Suddenly, the door to the apartment directly underneath Roxanne slides open to reveal a disheveled face, Valver. Do you mind keeping it down? Music and yelling. I'm trying to rest my wounds and... Ah, ah, Cyrano. Yeah. Perhaps I should have cut out his tongue. Oh, Cyrano, never mind that, Valver. I must now tell you of my sweet. How handsome. How brilliant a wit. And... and how well I love him. Christian has so brilliant a wit. Brighter than even your own, Cyrano. Be it so with all my heart. Oh, I thought it was impossible that there could breathe a man on this earth skilled to say as sweetly as he all the pretty nothings that mean so much, that mean all. At times his mind seems far away, the muse says not, and then presto, he speaks bewitchingly, enchantingly. No, no! Indeed. That is ill said of you. Because he is fair to see, you would have it that he must be dull of speech. He hath an eloquent tongue in telling his love? In telling his love? Why, it's not simple telling. It's dissertation. It's analysis. How is he with the pen? Still better. Listen, a letter he penned here. The more my poor heart you take, the larger grows my heart. How like you those lines? Pooh. And thus it goes on. And, since some target I must show for Cupid's cruel dart, oh, if mine own you deign to keep, then give me your sweet heart. Oh, at first he has too much, then not enough. How much heart does this fellow want? Oh, you would vex a saint. But... It is your own jealousy. What mean you? I, your poet's jealousy. Hark now, if this again not be tender sweet. My heart to yours sounds but one cry. If kisses fast could flee by letter, then with your sweet lips my letters read should be. If kisses could be written with ink, if kisses fast could flee. <laughs> those, those last lines are... Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, paltry enough. And this one. Then you've memorized his letters by heart? Every one of them. Uh, by all oaths that could be sworn, tis flattering. They are the lines of a master. Come, nay. <laughs> a master? Aye, I say it. A master. Good, be it so. Ah, there you are, Roxanne. A word. The regal commander de Guiche's voice echoes through the corridor with his commander's cape flowing menacingly behind. He briskly walks towards her. His face seems contorted with concern. Commander de Guiche, Cyrano, we should both go. Trebek sees you not. It might perchance put him on the scent. I, of my own dear secret. He admires me and is powerful. And if he knew that I have eyes for Christian, then all were lost. Marry, he could very well deal a death blow to my love. Good, good. I leave. Ragno, let us wander the corridors. Delight me with a poem, perhaps. I'm glad I caught you. I was on my way to the ceremony, but I believe I may be late now. I come to tell you that I am scheduled to leave shortly. Where go you? It would seem to war. Oh, 
Why? With who? Hush. This is not news to anyone but Command. Let the plebeians enjoy the night. Commander Klon did not report back from his scouting mission. We suspect... Panion. Oh. I am ordered away to the last place his signal died. Ah, yes. To leave so soon. My going moves you not? Nay. I am grieved at the core of my heart. Shall I ever again see you? I know not. Heard you that I have been assigned a new regiment to lead? Oh, bravo. Uh, the regiment of Captain Carbon Zost. What? Of the Gascon Cadets? If it pleases them to have that title. Uh, and yes, the very same. If I recall, it is the company of your father's pupil, Cyrano de Bergerac, the swaggering boaster. I will find my revenge once we fly together. What mean you? The cadets go with you? Bethink you, is it not my own regiment? <laughs> Christian. What ails you? Oh, I am in despair. The man one loves, at battle. Alas, I have tried to wear a brave visage, but my brow is one of worry for... for you. Oh, you say such sweet words to me. Tis the first time, and... And just when I must leave you. Thus, my true sentiments realized. For my sake, may you halt your grudge against de Bergerac? My fair lady, you are on his side? Nay, I'm not against him. He was a dear friend growing up. Do you see him often? Very rarely. He is ever to be paired now in company with one of the cadets, one new villain, uh, villain... Of high stature. Fair-haired. Aye, a golden-headed fellow. Oh, handsome. Yeah. <laughs> but dull-witted. One would think so to look at him. If I ever did meet such a man. How mean you to play your revenge on Cyrano? Perchance you think to put him on the front lines? Nay, believe me, that were a poor vengeance. He would love such a post better than anything else. I know a way to wound his pride far more keenly. What then? Tell. If, when the battalion is launched, he were left here with his beloved boon companions, the Gascon cadets, to sit with crossed arms and man the Dirac so long as the battle goes on. There is your method would you enrage a man of his kind, cheat him of his chance at mortal danger. Then you would punish him right fiercely. <laughs> Devious! Who had ever devised so subtle a trick? See you not how he will eat out his heart while his friends gnaw their thick fists for that you have deprived them of battle? So then you are best avenged. You love me then? A, a little? A great deal, perhaps? I would fain, seeing you thus espouse my cause, Roxanne, believe it a proof of love? Tis a proof. I will place the command orders then. Cerno's Gascon friends will take the place of, oh, Valver's regiment. Serves him right. <laughs> oh, Cerno has love of battle. So, you can play tricks on people, you of all beauties. Aye, sometimes. <laughs> oh, how I love you to distraction. And you do love me too? As much as I can. Then I have decided. Done with loving you through suitors. Roxanne, I have always wanted you. Listen, ah, uh, I will fall but ill, bedridden, and all will deem me gone from the fight. I will come to you, my lady, and I shall have you. Give me leave to wait till tonight, sweet lady fanciful. All under de Guiche. I was not 
aware to the extent of your passion. But of this be rumored, your ranking... Bah! I am soon to be the second but the Admiral herself. Slander me, they cannot. And your wife? Oh, it will run its course. She never loved me and I never her. Only to gain ranks did I marry her. Get close to her uncle, Lieutenant Richards. But I desire so much more. Grant but permission. Ollander, this is too much. I... Give me an answer. It were my duty to forbid you. For now. Ah. You must go. Christian stays here. I would love you only as a hero, Ollander. Oh, heavenly word. You love me then. But only if I am a champion at battle. I, you, for whom I trembled. Ah, ah, I go then, and when I return, our union shall be the mightiest. Are you content? Yes. Me hopes this ship is the first to crumble. Repulsive. But, even if mad, De Guiche is powerful and holds the fate of my Christian. Oh, but not a word of what I have done to Cyrano. He would never pardon me for taking his fighting from him. Ragano? See, if you were to save the repetition for the later lines and alternate your rhyme schemes, I think it would hit home. Oh, yes, I think I understand. Cyrano! Ragano! I believe we will all but miss the ceremony. Duenna's wrath aside, I think I'd enjoy a performance. Are any about, Ragano? Oh, Lanier is singing his lyrical text tonight. If we rush, we should make the second half. Twere indeed a pity to miss such a performance. <laughs> Cyrano, Ragano, and Roxanne hurtled through the arch corridors of the Starship Dirac to the observation deck where Lanier performed. Luckily, the trio make it in time for the second half. Oh, see? Here are my credits for my ticket, Usher. Roxanne, pay now or we'll miss more. Are you paying for a ticket, Cyrano? Me? No. Even if I wanted, I'd have no credits left for eating. In that case, may I ask a favor? If you see Christian, as I feel you may, bid him to wait for me outside. Listen, what mean you to question him on as your want tonight? Oh. Well, say. But you will be mute. Mute as a fish. I shall not question him at all, but instead say, give rein to your fancy. Prepare not your speeches, but speak the thoughts as they come. Speak to me of love. And speak splendidly. Very good. But secret. Secret. Not a word. A thousand thanks. Lest he prepare himself. The devil? No, no. Secret. You may come out from hiding, Christian. <laughs> you couldn't have slowed for one second. <laughs> I know all that is needful. Here's occasion for you to deck yourself with glory. Come, lose no time. Put away those silky looks. Come to the ship with me. I'll teach you. No. Why? I will wait for Roxanne here. How crazy? Come quick with me. Learn. No. No, I say. I am weary of these borrowed letters, borrowed love makings. Thus to act apart and tremble all the time. Twas well enough at the beginning. Now I know she loves. I fear no longer. I will speak myself. Mercy. And how know you I cannot speak? I am not such a fool when all is said. I have by your lessons profited. You see I shall know how to speak alone. The devil. I know at least a clasper in my arms. What? Uh, come on, tell me. I see Roxanne. 
Cyrano, leave me. Speak for yourself, my friend, and take your chance. But allow me to witness your work be hidden behind this partition. All but luck to you, Christian. Here she comes now. Let me but peek, Ragano, between each song to see if my sweet comes to me. <gasps> Christian! Hello, Roxanne. It's you! Evening falls. Let's sit. Speak on. I listen. Oh, I love you. I speak to me of love. I love thee. That's the theme. But vary it. I love... Vary it. I love you so. Oh, without a doubt. And then? And then I should be... Oh, so glad. So glad if you would love me. Roxanne, tell me so. I hoped for cream and you give me gruel. Say how love possesses you. Oh, utterly. Come, come. Unknot those tangled sentiments. Your throat, I'd kiss it. My throat? I love thee. Again? Uh, no, no, I, I love thee not. Huh. Tis just as well. Uh, but I adore thee. Huh. Your wit is faster than light. Grown stupid. And that displeases me. Almost as much as it would displease me if you grew a second mouth. Uh, but... Rally your poor eloquence that's flowing. I... Yes, yes, you love me. That I know. Adieu. Oh, go not yet. I, I tell you... That you adore me? I've heard it very oft. Now go away. I am off to my quarters. I thought perhaps we could have a romantic evening together, but it seems that your tongue is tied. Come to me once you find your elegance again. But only if... But I would fain... Ah! A pity indeed. Gad! I must say, a marvel. Nay... A master of words. It was very successful. You insist? I was of the impression that she loathed me. What a relief. Sarcasm, you don't! Then come to my aid. Not I. But I shall die unless I win back, unless at once I win back her fair favor. And how can I at once undo your scrap and lessen you in? I regret it. I am tongue-tied without you, my friend. I am done. Our stars will never cross again. Star? Crossed? An idea, friend. Let us make haste to the cabin. Christian, do you know about Shakespeare's young lovers? Very little. Why? <laughs> My boy. Inspiration! The two cadets bound back towards the cabin, eagerly hoping that Christian's words did not completely shatter all hope. Upon arriving, Cyrano, with his plan fully concocted, dashes towards the apartment, positioned on the level below Roxanne's, and knocks on its door. Yes? Oh, Cyrano. Falvere, thank you for inviting me in. Do you have your communicator glove? Oh, yes. Uh, my communicator glove. It sits by my dresser. Oh, which, which one? Oh, by the orbit balcony, the Oregorian one. Cyrano, wait. Cyrano! Get out of my house! Oh, but you were so kind to let us in. You invited yourself! Get out! Oh, you're being difficult now. Now I must hit you across the head. What? Ah! Better. Using Falfair's glove, I will establish a transmission with Roxanne. 
Do you perceive anything from that balcony? Let me look now. Oh, Cyrano, she's at her own balcony above us. Utter perfection. Go you outside, then, and in your own Oregorian orb, win her attention. I need but a nanosecond to secure a signal with Ragno. Go. As the Dejelian stepped outward from the balcony, a large bubble began to take shape around him. Light to the touch, but incredibly stable, the transparent sphere fully encapsulates the bewildered Christian once he is fully outside of the ship. The cadet composes his initial fear and begins to calibrate his communicator towards Roxanne's apartment. The sulky Roxanne stands above him, looking pessimistically dreamlike on the balcony of her own. Roxanne! Oh, something is coming through my radio. Someone's calling for you. What? Who calls me? I. Who's that? Speak up. Christian. Oh, it's you? Ragano, shut it off. I would speak with you. I've got a signal. Let's witness the boy's talent. Christian, speak soft and tenderly. Mouth my words as if they come from yours. No, Christian. You speak stupidly. Pity me. No. You mouth me no more. You say, Great heaven, I love no more when I love more and more. Hold. To the trifle better. I the trifle. Love grew apace, rocked by the anxious beating of this poor heart, which the cruel wanton boy took for a cradle. That is better. But if you deem that Cupid be so cruel, you should have stifled young love in its cradle. Aye, madam, I essayed. But all in vain, this newborn babe is a young Hercules. Still better. Night has come. In the dusk they grope their way to find your ear. But my words find no such impediment. They find their way at once? Small wonder that. For tis within my heart they find their home. Bethink how large my heart, how small your ear. And from fair heights descending, words fall fast. But mine must mount, madame, and that takes time. I believe your last words have learned to climb. With practice, such gymnastic grows less hard. In truth, it seems I speak from distant heights. True. Far above. At such a height, twere death if a hard word from you fell on my heart. I can leave to meet you. No. Stay a while. Tis sweet. The rare occasion when our hearts can speak ourselves unseen. Unseeing. Why unseen? Aye, it is sweet. Half hidden, half revealed in space. You see the dark folds of my shroud and cloak, and I, the glimmering whiteness of your dress. I, but a round, gleaming shadow, you a radiance fair. Know you what such a moment holds for me? If ever I were eloquent. You were. Yet never till tonight my speech has sprung straight from my heart as it now springs. Why not, Christian? Till now I spoke haphazard. Your eyes have beams that turn me dizzy. But tonight methinks I shall find speech for the first time. It's true. Your, your voice, voice rings with a tone that's... That's new. Aye, a new tone. In the tender, sheltering dusk, I dare to be myself for once. At last, what say I? I know not. Oh, pardon me, it thrills me. Tis so sweet, so novel. How do you mean, so novel? Aye, to be at last sincere. Till now, my chilled heart, fearing to be mocked. Uh, Mocked? And for what, Christian? 
for its mad beating. I, my heart has clothed itself with witty words to shroud itself from curious eyes. Impelled at times to aim at a star, I stay my hand, and fearing ridicule, call a wild flower. A wild flower's sweet. Aye, but tonight, the stars. Oh, never have you spoken thus before. If, leaving Cupid's arrows, quivers, torches, we turn to seek for sweeter, fresher things. Instead of sipping in a pygmy glass of dull, fashionable waters, instead we try slaking our thirst in fearless drought by drinking from the river's flooding brim. But wit? If I have used it to arrest you at the first starting, now twould be an outrage, an insult, to the perfumed night, to nature, to speak fine words that garnish vain love letters. Look up but at her stars. The quiet heaven will ease our hearts of all things artificial. I fear lest, midst the alchemy we're skilled in, the truth of sentiment dissolve and vanish, the soul exhausted by these empty pastimes. The gain of fine things be the loss of all things. But wit, I say... In love, tis crime. Tis hateful. Turning frank loving into subtle fencing, at last the moment comes, inevitable. Oh, woe for those who never know that moment. When feeling love exists in us, ennobling. Each well-weighed word is futile and soul-saddening. Well, if that moment's come for us, suppose it. What words would serve you? All. 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 Whatever that came to me. Even as they came, I'd fling them in a wild cluster, not a careful bouquet. I love thee. I am mad. I love. I stifle. Thy name is in my heart as in a sheep bell. And as I ever tremble thinking of thee, ever the bell shakes, ever thy name ringeth. All things of thine I mind, for I love all things. Why, this is love indeed. I, true, the feeling which fills me terrible and jealous truly, love, which is ever sad amid its transports, love, and yet strangely not a selfish passion. I, for your joy, would gladly lay mine own down, even though you never were to know it, never. If but at times I might, Far off and lonely, hear some gay echo of the joy I brought you. Each glance of yours awakes in me a virtue, a novel, unknown valor. Do you begin, my sweet, to understand? So late do you understand me? Feel you, my soul, then, here, through the darkness mounting? Too fair the night, too fair, too fair the moment, that I should speak thus, and that you should hearken. Too fair. In moments when my hopes rose proudest, I never hoped such guerdon. Naught has left me but to die now. Have words of mine the power to make you tremble, throned there in the branches. I, like a leaf among the leaves, you tremble. You tremble, for I feel, and if you will it or will it not, your hands, beloved trembling, thrill through the branches, down your exotic flora. I, I am trembling, weeping. You have my heart. Then let death come. Tis I, tis I myself who love thee. One thing, but one thing I dare to ask. A kiss. What? Shut up, you idiot. Why? You ask. I... Fool, you go too quick. Since she has moved thus, I will profit by it. Are you talking to someone, Christian? My reflection, yes, he exhibits my sinful desires. My words sprang thoughtlessly from him, but now I see. Shame on me. I was too presumptuous. Well... 
How quickly you withdraw? Yes, I withdrew without withdrawing. Hurt I, modesty? If so, the kiss I asked... Oh, grant it not. Why? Silence, Kristen, hush! Your reflection again, Kristen? I tried myself for my two bold advances, said Silence Christian. I'll win for me that kiss. Now. Soon or late. Tis true, the moment of intoxication, of madness, when your mouths are sure to meet thanks to your fair mouth and her rose lips. I figured it'd come thanks to... That was quite a startle. Still there? We spoke of, um, uh... A kiss. The word is sweet. I see not why your lips should shrink from it. If the word burns it, what would the kiss do? Oh, let it not your bashfulness affright. Have you not, all this time, insensibly, left badnage aside, and unalarmed glided from smile to sigh, from sigh to weeping? Glide gently, imperceptibly, still onward, from tear to kiss, a moment's thrill, a heartbeat. Hush, hush. A kiss, when all is said, what is it? An oath that's ratified, a sealed promise, a heart's avowal claiming confirmation, a rose dot on the eye of adoration, a secret that to mouth, not ear, is whispered, brush of a bee's wing that makes time eternal, communion perfumed like the spring's wild flowers, the heart's relieving in the heart's outbreathing, when to the lips the soul's flood rises, brimming. A kiss, Roxanne, is honorable. The queen of planet Leventa, to her most favored lord, did grant a kiss. And what then? The lord suffered dumbly. So have I. Adored his queen as loyally as I. Was sad but faithful. So am I. And you are as fair as the lord of Leventa? True. I must be humbled at once. Must I then bid thee rise thy bubble to mine? Christian, raise your bubble. Float, Nan. But it's so high up. Heart breathing. Float. Can't I just take the elevator to her? This brush of a bee's wing. Float. How do I propel this bubble? Do I swim upwards? This moment infinite. Cubby blocker, float. Ah, Roxanne. Christian hastily flaps his arm upwards towards the balcony, swimming chaotically to Roxanne. After carefully staying close to the ship, he pops the Oregorian orb safely in the apartment takes Roxanne in his arms and passionately kisses her. Cyrano lets out a happy sigh and relaxes down to the floor. He sits alone apart from the unconscious Valvere as the satisfied look disperses from his face. While he was initially content with his outcome of the plan, the Gascon's mood is quickly turned to one of regret. Strange pain that wrings my heart. The kiss love's feast so near. I, Lazarus, lie at the gate in darkness, yet to me falls still a crumb or two from the rich man's board. Ay, tis my heart receives thee, Roxanne. Mine! For on the lips you press you kiss as well the words I spoke just now. My words. My words. Roxanne! 
What how, duenna? Sereno exits Valver's quarters to witness a very heated duenna, who, having finished her marital duties, is storming to Roxanne's apartment. Sereno scrambles up the elevator to meet her as she bangs upon the apartment door. Duenna! Hush, quiet! You'll wake everyone. I am frightfully sorry that I missed your very important night, but you see, my schedule has recently become busy. Hello. Oh, and dear Cyrano, what brings you back? I I was uh, passing by. I was with Christian. I initially wanted to see him to show him more of the Duroc, but uh, he seemed to run off in, in your direction, no less. I swear I was almost late because of you, Roxanne. That was quite a nice ceremony. But friends, let me in the living room. A grave letter I have. Commander de Guiche intercepted me and gave me two letters. One was addressed to you, Roxanne, and the other, well, was full of credits. De Guiche. He dares. Oh, he will not importune me forever. Huh. I will open and read his letter. I love you, therefore... <clears throat> Lady, the Admiral beckons. My fleet turns their accelerators on and start. But I, the Admiral, deem me gone before. But I stay. I have dared to disobey not only that of my command, but that of my vows. No longer am I chained by this nepotistic union. With my wife or my command, I go to you. I send Duenna to appraise your ear. Your lips, meanwhile, have smiled on me, too sweet. I go not to any battle till I've seen them once again. I would be private, send each soul away, receive alone him whose great boldness you have deigned, I hope, to pardon. Here he asks, he who is ever yours, etc. Ugh, I might heave. Lady, the Admiral King's wish is law, albeit to you unwelcome. For this cause, I send these lines to your fair ear addressed by me, a galactic man, discreet, intelligent. It is my will that you receive from me marriage, your hand in mine. What? Is he mad? He would not. You mustn't. Straight away this night, unknown to all the world, I become your husband? Fair lady, all assurance of respect, from him who ever was and still remains, your humble and obliged, etc. Why, that mad snows! It cannot be believed! <laughs> but this is horrible! I have overlooked the postscript. See here. I have given 200 credits to Duena for the purpose of our union. Oh! The commander said no such thing about wedlock when I accepted. He merely said it was a gift. I refuse! You mustn't disobey unless you want De Guiche sending a hundred ships after you. And a man as powerful as he can get away with disobeying a direct command, too. Perhaps he sends another soldier in his place. Coward. A bleak tragedy. But what if it's not De Guiche that I marry, but another? What mean you? Christian, you will take De Guiche's place. If the union is made between you and I... De Guiche will have no choice but to terminate his advances. No, I can't justify this. It's too sudden, too- A mighty dupe, this. The plan is just. I'm with Roxanne. You must hurry if it is to be done, though. Duane, you said De Guiche was not too far behind when he gave this letter to you? Aye, sir. Yet, Roxanne, is this be what you're after? As well for you, Christian. Christian is my cosmic gentleman. I love her. Then I am happy. I will commence the wedlock. I submit. But, Cyrano, keep De Guiche away. 
He will be here shortly. By the feather in my hat, I will do this for you. Duane, how long do you need to tie the marriage knot? A quarter of an hour? Stay in the apartment. I go. Come, Christian. Inside. Now, how to detain de Guiche so long? Cyrano's gaze darts to the level below and sees a man draped in a hooded cloak. While a somewhat impressive disguise, Cyrano is able to recognize the sharp commander's intimidating step as he moved towards the elevator to reach Roxanne's apartment. Oh, you cannot hide from me, de Guiche. Come, down I go. I have a plan. Tis not too high of a jump. I'll shake this atmosphere, disguise my voice, and hit! Cyrano quickly takes a nearby metal trash bin, empties its contents, and jumps over the side of the railing. With acrobatic speed, he manages to conceal himself entirely within a receptacle as he comes crashing to the floor below, directly in front of the bewildered commander. He pops up with a limp. The metal lid of the can hides his face completely. What's this? Where fell that man from? From my moon. Which moon? Closest moon is Regic in the Cimmeril quadrant. Uh, what, what is what's a, what is a clock? What is it? Uh, he's lost his mind for sure. What hour? What dimension this? What month? What day is it? But I, I'm stupefied. Sir. Like to a bomb. I fell from my moon. In my escape pod. Oh, come now, that's a receptacle. I say, I built it myself. Oh, God. Let it be so. He's raving mad. I say, off of my moon. I mean, no metaphor. But. I would have. Was it a hundred years? A minute? Since? I. I can't guess the time that fall embraced. Uh, I was in the silver colored capsule. Good, let me pass. Where am I? Tell the truth. Fear not to tell. Oh, spare me not. Where? Where? Have I fallen like a shooting star? Sir! It falls so lightly and quick. No time to choose where I should fall. I know not where it be. Oh, tell me. Is, is it on like a thimble or ladle? Am I posterior way it has landed me? I tell you, sir. I, uh, I'm, I'm in an undiscovered dimension. It's mine now. The fool is comical. Who you laugh? I laugh, but would get by. Oh, pardon me. Uh, by the last water spout covered with ether, accident of travel. And my eyes still full of stardust, and my spurs covered by the planet's filaments. <laughs> Oh, look, at, look at this on my coat. <laughs> it's a, a comet's hair. <sighs> Sir. Hey, my leg. The calf. There's a tooth of the great galactic bear. And passing them too close, I would avoid his trident's point and fell. Thus sitting, plump, right in the scales. My weight is marked, still registered up there in heaven. I swear to you that if you squeeze my nose, it would smell milk. M milk? <laughs> From the Milky Way. Oh, go to <laughs> hell! <laughs> I, f I fall, sir, out of heaven. Now, would you credit it that I, as I fell, I saw that galactic bears wear nightcaps? I saw that galactic bear wear nightcap, true. 
The other bear is still too small to bite. <laughs> I, I went through the lair, but I slapped a cord. I mean to write the whole thing in a book. The small gold stars that wrapped up in my cloak I carried safe away at no small risks will serve for asterisks in the printed page. Come make an end. <laughs> I want to get by you. Ow. Oh, you are sly. Sir. <laughs> you would you worm all out of me the way moons are made and if men breathe and live in its crust. No, no, I want to just... <laughs> I didn't know how I flew. Hark. It was by a method all my own. Oh, he's mad. No. Not for me, the stupid eagle of Yankees, nor the timid pigeon of Arcatas. Neither of those. Aye, tis a fool, but tis a learned fool. No, imitator, I have other men. Six novel methods, all this brain invented. Six? Mm-hmm. First, with body naked as your hand, festooned about with crystal flackens. Full of the tears, the early morning dew cried, my body in a sun's fierce rays exposed to let it suck me up as I sucks the dew. Ah, that makes one. <laughs> and then the second way to generate wind for my impetus to carry air, rarefy air, in a cedar case by mirrors Placed in cocohedron wise. Two? Mm. Or, or, for I have some mechanic skill to make a grasshopper with sprigs of steel and lutch myself by quick seceding fires. Saltpeter fed to the stars, pastures blue. Three. Mm. Or, to charge a globe with fumes sufficiently to carry me aloft. Well, that makes four. Uh, or spear, smear myself with narrow marrow from a bull, right? Since, at the lowest point of Zodiac, Phoebus would love to suck that marrow up, right? Five. Yeah, sitting on an iron platform. Thence, to throw a magnet in the air, this is a method which, well convinced, the magnet flown, infallibly the iron will pursue, then quick, relaunch your magnet, and you thus can mount and unmount unmeasured distances. Here are six excellent expedients. Which of the six chose you? Mm, why none? A seventh. Astonishing. A seventh? What, what was it? I'll recount. This wild eccentric becomes interesting. Mm, you have guessed? Not I. <laughs> the tide. In the witching hour, when the moon woos the wave, I laid me, fresh from a sea bath, on the shore in my metal capsule, right? And failing not to put nose code foremost, for the hair holds the seawater in its mesh, I rose in the air, starlight, nope, straight, straight, like an angel's flight, right? And mounted... Mounted, gently, effortless, when lo, a sudden shock. Then. Then? Um, then? Then? Then the court is gone. I'll hinder you no more. The marriage vows are made. What? 
Am I mad? That voice, that nose, de Bergerac. <laughs> Cyrano de Bergerac, while we were chatting, they have plighted troth. Oh. The elevator to Roxanne's apartment hisses to a halt behind the two as Roxanne and Christian exit, hand in hand. Roxanne wears a hastily put together veil, and Christian a rose in his lapel. They step forward toward Cyrano and a perplexed Tagish, beaming. You? Roxanne and. he? Oh, cunningly contrived. As for you, Cyrano, my compliments, Sir Apparatus Maker. Your story would arrest at Peter's Gate. Saints eager for their paradise. Note well the details. Faith they'd make a stirring book. I shall not fail to follow your advice. A handsome couple, Commander, made one by you. Your letter explained all. Aye. Well, then, bid your groom, madame, fond farewell. Why so? We leave to battle the Panion. But the Gascon cadets go not. Oh, aye, they go. I have just confirmed the order, and I along with them. The Admiral King will be thrilled that her top commander has healed in time for the glory of the Dirac, with a rabble of cadets by his side. <laughs> and it seems the fight has started. To your ships, cadets! An order from your commanding officer. No, uh, Christian! The wedding night is far away, methinks. He thinks to give me pain of death with this. Oh, what's it, Ken Roxanne? Your lips! Come, come, enough! Tis hard to leave for Cyrano. You know not. I know. Emergency! All officers and cadets! Battle stations! Panion battle cruiser on port bow! Battle stations! Repeat! Emergency! Oh, they've brought the battle to us! Battle stations, cadets! Pray that I decide to fly with you and not against. We must protect the ship. Christian, we fly. Oh, Cyrano, I trust him to you. Promise me that no risks shall put his life in danger. I will try my best, but promise that I cannot. And swear he shall be prudent. Again, I'll do my best. In the siege, let him not suffer. All that men can do, I... And that he will write oft? <laughs> that I promise you. Serenade de Bergerac in Space was graciously sponsored by The Icon Group, Studio Dubois Incorporated, Jonathan Safford, and Joseph Vigent. If you'd like to support the show and Swamp Meadow Community Theater, you can become a Cyrano sponsor, just like the wonderful people I just mentioned, by going to swampmeadow.org and clicking on the big Become a Sponsor button. There, we have many tiers to choose from, and not only will you be supporting us, you'll be able to get your name or business in the opening or end credits. This episode of Cyrano de Bergerac in Space featured Andy Affleck as Digiche and Lignere. Audrey Dubois as Roxanne, Drake Lowe as Lebray, and Valvere, Jim Kenny as narrator and various ensemble roles. You can find Jim as an actor, director, and producer at the Norwich Arts Center in Connecticut. They're looking to book theatrical new work when we get back to normal. Jonathan Safford as Christian and The Burger, Maya Mallow as various ensemble roles, Marin Flynn as Admiral King and Duenna. Shannon McLeod as Ragano, Dale Miller as Commander Clond, and the Lesser Bots, 
and Caleb McPhee as Cyrano de Bergerac. This show was edited, directed, and produced by me, Tyler H. Vigent. Additional editing and sound and music design by Andy Affleck. Say au revoir, but not goodbye, originally composed by Harry Kennedy. Special thanks to Eric Dubois for setting up our sponsors page. Fly on, cadets!